0: We are continuing to travel with Joshua. Joshua is actually the name Jesus. Jesus is not the right pronunciation of Yeshua. (laughs) But that's all I knew was his name, Jesus. But the real name is Yeshua or Joshua. So this book has a great ring to it. And I trust that it will become a a favorite book of yours because it speaks a lot to us of where we are and where we're moving to and how we're moving in our Christian growth and development. Followers of Jesus Christ. Father, we just ask you right now to anoint your word. And allow me to be able to speak clearly and directly to the text and to what we are reading and studying here this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The title is Finding Rest. And really that is what the children of Israel were seeking for many, many years. They had been wandering in the desert for years, 40 to be exact, with this account here. The promises of God hung out there, and yet they did not go after them. But then came after Moses, Joshua, who came as a kind of a savior leader, and in that we have many references that point back to the fact that he was their leader or he was an example of a leader that would bring them into their home land. But there was a lot to go on before they could do that. And so we read, For if Joshua had given them rest, he would not have spoken of another day after that. It's in Hebrews. For there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For the one who has entered his rest has himself also rested from his works as God did from his. Therefore, let us be diligent to enter that rest so that no one will fall through following the same example Of their disobedience. That's taken from the book of Hebrews that we worked ourselves through this past year and became very precious to us. Finding rest is our pursuit. Our meaning every man, woman and child. Like we said last week, you sleep and you get up and work. And after you've worked all day, You want to rest, and then you get up, and you work all day, and you want to... That's the rhythm that God built into us as human beings. Not just human beings, the animals also rest, by the way. But we are people that resist rest in many ways. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand on this one. How many of you watch TV until midnight and then you get up at 5.30 in the morning to go to work? Nobody's going to confess. That's okay. But you know, we are probably one of our worst enemies in finding rest. Think about that. We are overworkers You aren't overworked, you're your own best enemy when it comes to finding rest. And much of what we pursue in our life does not lead us to rest because we are lying in bed thinking, okay, I've got this and this and this to do tomorrow, and I'm going to uh, try to add in a couple more things that I can get done tomorrow. That is Our human nature. Now there are some people that just lay around and don't do the dishes and don't take those things seriously, but go on to other things that they enjoy doing. And that's called avoidance. It's called laziness. It's called untidiness. Disorderly acts and lifestyle. I'll stop there. That's not my message. But we all want to retire. And me more than anybody in this room, I think. So that we can rest. You know, I don't think God's going to give me that chance. I'm sorry. Rest can be described in a multitude of words and descriptions. To take a break, to sleep, to relax, to take a vacation... It can also be described as trusting or to cease from worry. Coming to a place of trusting in our loving Savior and Lord. The author of Hebrews presents a statement in verse 8 about rest that points us back to the book and the record of Joshua that we are studying these days. Our outline is, Today is for memorial stones. We'll be talking about what is memorial stone. And then a question that's asked by some young people. What do these stones mean? And in the process of answering that question, the Lord exalts Joshua. And then the people of God are asked to fear the Lord your God. What do these stones mean? I believe we need a memorial stone to anchor our confession of faith in Jesus Christ. Last night I gave my testimony at Good News Saturday, right in this spot here, and I shared how I accepted Jesus as my Savior when I was 11 years old. My uncle adopted me that year. He was a pastor, and he did not believe in baptism. Can you imagine a pastor not believing in baptism? Well, it's a great opportunity for a pastor, but my uncle, who was a very good preacher, I think, but I don't remember him ever baptizing one person. And his reasoning was, I don't want to give anyone a false assurance of salvation. He didn't want to have people just be baptized which he had seen in the churches that he had pastored in the past, and so he refused to baptize people. So, you know what? I didn't get baptized until I was 24 years old. But I accepted Jesus Christ when I was 11. And phenomena of phenomena. I went to a Bible college, and no one ever asked me if I was baptized. And so when I was 24... And we started going to a Baptist church. What do Baptists do? (laughs) We had Bible studies in our home. We had young couples that would come. And this pastor, when we became members of this church, he said, when were you baptized, Ron? And I said, I've never been baptized. Well, let's baptize you. And so, I got baptized, but you know, then I began to reflect. Accepted Jesus Christ when I was 11, grew up as a teenager in Southern California, which is one of the worst places to be growing up in, there's so many distractions. I loved it though, but I remember I struggled in my Christian life, wanting to be the same as my buddies and not really having the strength and conviction to tell them about Jesus Christ. Here I am a pastor's son. And after I was baptized at 24 years of age, even though we had Bible studies in our home, I felt I need to really understand what it means to die to self and walk with Christ. And, you know, from that step, God began to work in my heart, in our hearts. And I told them last night, when I was 11, I knelt in front of this tent meeting, convicted of my sin, and knelt there and said, Jesus, forgive my sin and make me a missionary. And that's where I was... in my mind but I was doing it at my own strength and I needed to come to a place where I surrendered all and so at 24 I accepted baptism and it wasn't like it revolutionized me but I had a memory stone I had memorial stone and that's what baptism does for you I think At least in my experience, maybe some of you were baptized as children, and I don't believe in re-baptizing people, but if you are sensing that you really didn't understand it, I would be glad to baptize you. And there are some of you here, I know, that haven't been baptized, but it would be very good for you to take that step. And we'll find out from Joshua here what that means. Let's read this. Now when all the nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord spoke to Joshua, saying, Take for yourselves twelve men from the people, one man from each tribe, and command them, saying, Take up for yourselves twelve stones from here out of the middle of the Jordan, from the place where the priests' feet are standing firm, and carry them over with you, and lay them down in the lodging place where you will lodge tonight." Israel was beginning to enter the land, the promised land. So Joshua called the 12 men whom he had appointed from the sons of Israel, one man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, Cross again to the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. And we read last week that those priests carried the ark into the riverbed of the Jordan with the waters receded downstream and piled up upstream. Cross again to the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. And each of you take a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Israel. How do you carry a stone? Normally, we'd pick it up like we pick up a baby but a baby isn't 120 pounds. But a rock, picking that up, you put it on your shoulder. If you pick it up this way, you'll have to see a chiropractor for the rest of your life. <laughs> so this is a good instruction from Joshua, a wise man. So they picked up 12 stones. Let this be a sign among you so that when your children ask later, What do these stones mean to you? Then you shall say to them, Because the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall become a memorial to the sons of Israel forever. And that's what I mean by baptism being a memorial. We'll see that as we go through this. Secondly, the Lord exalted Joshua, verses 18 to 14. Thus the sons of Israel did as Joshua commanded and took up twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan. Just as the Lord spoke to Joshua according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Israel, and they carried them over with them to the lodging place and put them down there. Okay, follow us now. Then Joshua set up twelve stones In the middle of the Jordan, at the place where the feet of the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant were standing, they are there to this day. For the priests who carried the Ark were standing in the middle of the Jordan until everything was completed, that the Lord had commanded Joshua to speak to the people, according to all that Moses had commanded Joshua. Okay, do you have the picture? How many stones are in this passage? Twenty-four. Okay, who has the first half of those stones? Who picked them up? A man from each of the 12 tribes. There was 12. Where were they carried? To to the new land, to the new promised land. Okay, then it says, Then Joshua set up 12 stones in the middle of the Jordan. What stones were those? Then Joshua set up 12 stones in the middle of the Jordan at the place where the feet of the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant were standing. And they are there to this day. What do you think that means? Where were those stones that Joshua picked up? Or it says set up. I puzzled over this and I said, Katie, can you figure this scenario out for me? And so we talked it over, and sure enough, she had all the answers. <laughs> there were stones that were there in the place where the priests had been standing. And Joshua went down there, and he picked up or rolled over or set them up in the riverbed, 12 of them. And I don't have a picture. I should have got a picture. There was a kind of a funny picture, but they were flat stones and standing up in the riverbed. And according to Joshua, as far as he is concerned, as far as God is concerned, those stones are still there. Now that doesn't make a lot of sense, but in Joshua's heart and mind, that is what God did. They were there at that riverbed. They saw it, they knew it, they knew what they did in the bottom of that riverbed. Do you get the logic here? That even though we can't really see that we have changed in our heart, we know, we know, we know that we believe. And I think that's what baptism does for us. It sets kind of a marker for us. We were there, I was in the water, I confessed that I am a follower of Jesus Christ. He has forgiven my sins and I am free of condemnation and I'm walking in His way and I look back at those memorial stones myself, let alone those stones that are sitting on the bank that are our outward witness and testimony to the rest of the world, that those stones came from there, from the riverbed. And God planned it, that this be a memory to us of coming to Christ and entering in to the new land and to a new walk in our lives. And if you haven't come to that place, I would really encourage you to put down a memorial stone and say, from this day forward, I will serve the Lord Jesus Christ, because he's my Savior, he's my Lord. He has redeemed me, has forgiven me of my sins. I am his and he is mine. And the people hurried and crossed, and when the people had finished crossing, the ark of the Lord and the priests crossed before the people. And the sons of Reuben and the sons of Gad, the half-tribe of Manasseh, crossed over in battle array before the sons of Israel, just as Moses had spoken to them about 40,000 equipped for war, crossed the battle before the Lord to the desert plains of Jericho. Okay, this part I was going to leave out, but I thought, no. If they read it, then they're going to say, Ron, you didn't tell us the whole story. What is this all about? And I'll say, well, I don't really know other than the fact that the people hurried across. Joshua did his thing, having the men set up the stones. And the sons of Reuben and the sons of Gad, who were of Manasseh, but their land had already been given to them on that side of the Jordan. But Joshua had made them promise that when they get into the land that the sons of Manasseh, the sons of Reuben and the sons of Gad, that when they came to that point, they weren't to go and pick out their land and set up their farms and whatever. They were to go as warriors with their brothers and sisters and fight for that promised land that God had promised them. And so those 40,000 crossed with the children of Israel. And on that day, the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel. So that they feared him just as they had feared Moses all the days of his life. And so that is what God intended for all of us as leaders. That people would fear us. Well, I think that the meaning of fear is not of cringing fear and of fear that would say, well, I don't want to have anything to do with this guy. No, in fact, just the opposite. Are there people that you know, and when you share your testimony, the fear of God comes into their heart. I don't want to talk to him anymore because he's talking about sin and things like that. Or are they also knowing that what is different about this person? I want to be like him. You know what I'm talking about? There's a certain respect that we as Christians inherit by our relationship with Jesus Christ. And we should not be ashamed of that. We should count that not as a badge but as The Lord giving us courage to be able to speak out and to give testimony and not to be afraid of the faces of men and their friends and share our testimony with people. That's what God desires of his people. Joshua was a model. He became their leader just as Moses. And then the last point, fear the Lord your God forever in verses 15 to 24. Now the Lord said to Joshua, Command the priests who carry the ark of testimony, that they come up from the Jordan. So Joshua commanded the priests, saying, Come up from the Jordan. And it came about when the priests who carried the ark of the covenant of the Lord had come up from the middle of the Jordan, and the soles of the priests' feet were lifted up to the dry ground, that the waters of the Jordan returned to their place, and went over all the banks as before. And so as we've already said, it's between them and between God, the witness and testimony of those memorial stones in the river is between us and God. We know what happened. God was there. I know what happened. I was there when God set me on the right path in my life. Now the people came up from the Jordan on the 10th of the first month and camped at Gilgal on the eastern edge of Jericho. These 12 stones, which they had taken up from the Jordan, Joshua set up at Gilgal, and he said to the sons of Israel, When your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What are these stones? Then you shall inform your children, saying, Israel crossed this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you until you crossed, just as the Lord your God had done to the Red Sea, which he dried up before us until we had crossed, that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, so that you may fear the Lord your God forever. And that's the record. That's what we believe in. That is what we have been reminded over and over again in scriptures. Psalm 114, 1 to 3. When Israel went out from Egypt, the house of Jacob from a people of strange language. When did that happen? And what happened? When they went out of Egypt, the house of Jacob from a people of strange language. What is that Psalm referring to? An occasion. What happened? Can you remember? The Red Sea divided and Israel went across on dry ground. That was the first time this happened, that the Lord pushed back the water of the Red Sea and allowed the children of Israel to leave Egypt. And then it says, Judah became his sanctuary, Israel his dominion. The sea looked and fled Jordan turned back. Exactly the same thing happened with the Jordan as happened out of Egypt. These are memorials. These are things to remember. When you leave the world and follow Jesus, and when you come to that place of understanding that He wants you to be baptized, it's time for you to set that memorial stone down and be baptized. I urge you, if you have not been baptized, to take the step to do that. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day Drawing near. And then lastly, Revelation. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down. He who accuses them before our God day and night. And they overcame him because of the blood of the Lamb And because of the word of their testimony. And that's what baptism is. It's a testimony that you give publicly that I am following Jesus Christ. And I'll just finish this. And they did not love their life even when faced with death. For this reason, rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them Woe to the earth and to the sea, because the devil has come down to you having great wrath, knowing that he has only a short time. His time is up. That is what God is calling us to, folks. These, as we've talked about, as we went through Revelation, I believe we are in the last days. I am not a prophet. All I do is read the scripture, but I I sense and feel, as I've said before, this earth has never been in this condition. We have occupied the whole earth, even in the Antarctic, down near New Zealand. But the whole world has never had this many people standing on this ball. Incredible And as we've said, and as the Bible says, they're going to and fro throughout the Earth. We've said, there's a million people in the air right now. Those planes are crisscross all over the world. We have commerce happening all over the seas, from nation to nation, from China to the United States, from Japan to China and to other places. We are interconnected. And the Gospel, Jesus said, that His return would not come until this is known throughout the earth, the Gospel. I don't think there's a nation that has been able to shut out the Word of God, effectively. People will try to do that, but you know, with cell phones like we've got, with travel like we've got, these are the days. These are the days, folks, of the soon return of Jesus Christ to get his bride, to bring us to himself. And I urge you to know that this might sound like a hard thing, finding rest. But the only true rest that we have is in Jesus Christ. That's where we are in this world right now. And he is calling us, encouraging us, strengthening us to be able to stand as believers. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the testimony and the witness of Joshua, who really speaks of you, Lord Jesus. You are the captain of our salvation. You are our leader. And though our friends and many who will turn their backs on us, yet by the conviction of our belief in the Word of God, by the confession of our mouth, we pray that we stand, stand firm, and not be afraid of declaring you as Lord of our life for the rest of eternity. Bless us now as we go out into the world. Give us courage to speak. Give us courage to pray with our colleagues, to lead them to Jesus Christ, that we be your lights, just as we celebrated this morning. Thank you, Lord, for the light of Jesus Christ shining in us. It's your light. You're the source. And so we go in boldness, knowing that you live in us. May your light shine upon us with favor. In Jesus' name, amen.